How do you stay committed to the brand when there's money on the other side that you're possibly giving up? <laughs> That's a hard question, and it's one that I've struggled with a couple of times. Yeah, it's hard. I'm here with a champion, an entrepreneur champion, right here beside me, Aaron Cregan Doherty of Musqua Backcountry Foods. Now, I'm not a backcountry person, but I know businesses and I know champions. I'm looking forward to this. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Let's talk about your company. I call it an elevator pitch. Yeah. You're in the elevator, you got 30 seconds to get to the top, and you have that ideal customer beside you, and you have to explain what you do. Yeah. So in 30 seconds or less, tell me your elevator pitch. So we are Muscoa Backcountry Foods and we produce uh, dehydrated and freeze-dried food that is tailored to meet different dietary restrictions all while sharing Métis culture and recipes one meal at a time. Solid. <laughs> That's solid. Like, yeah. like you can't get any more solid than that. I've done quite a few pitch competitions now with the timer in front of me. And uh, the first time that big red timer came up, it was like a... Well, what am I saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me about the award that you just won. So it was an amazing experience. So it's called the GSEA Award, and it was um, originally funded by the Peter Thomas Foundation, which is an organization run by the EO Canada. So I got third place, which came along with $15,000, as well as possible EO mentorship as Look well. Look at that. Now we are live in a culinary location. You're not the only business owner in this space. There are many other business owners, so we're gonna hear a lot of noise in the background, but yeah. the key thing is you get to get benefits from working with other business owners in the same space. How is that? That's incredible. So when I was originally looking for a kitchen, I was looking at different options, but for me as a growing business, it's a little bit hard to find a space that's affordable and then also offers the opportunities that this type of space does. So it really offers many business opportunities as well as collab. I think where we're entering into our economy in this country and in others is we're in an economic slowdown. Mm -hmm. And in that economic slowdown makes people look at their, their pocketbooks and behave differently. Now, you are in a space where you share with other business owners, and I'm not yep. gonna say this out loud because I don't want them to hear it, but the companies who make pies, the companies who make donuts, they're gonna have a challenge in a recession or in an economic slowdown. For someone like you, the words staycation yeah. keep on coming up in times of economic slowdown. This is a huge opportunity for you to capitalize on that market. How do you get your voice out to these this opportunity? It's really about how I market myself, as well as staying true to my values, which make me a unique product. Because we all love a lot of the different sort of global dishes that you can buy for the backcountry. But when people are enjoying camping in, you know, the Canadian Rockies, what I'm selling is an educational experience that goes along with that. So here you can buy this product that's, you know, nutritional and healthy and all of that, but it highlights the ingredients in which you're experiencing your camping trip in. Bannock is really interesting because it is like a staple bread of the Métis people. A lot of Métis cooking is just using influence on sort of a lot of European recipes when they came over with the fur traders, but focusing on using local ingredients that could be foraged. Wow. Just dig yeah. in? Dig in. So it is a relatively healthy product. <laughs> she knows I'm not very healthy. That's yeah. why she's saying that. So as someone 
who I'm sure you do eat sugar, dairy, and gluten. Mm -hmm. You can't tell. <laughs> oh, perfect. Like if you didn't tell me you didn't have all that stuff, yeah. I thought it had all that stuff. Oh, good. And easily trans transportable to other parts of the country? Yeah, it's all in a dried package and you put it over the fire and add water that's and that's it. This is, we call it like a country bison stew. Okay. This has wild garlic scapes and turnips and three different squashes because I sort of take inspiration from the Three Sisters stew, mm -hmm. which uses all the different sort of squashes and local ingredients. Hmm. It's really good. And also too, using a lot of meats like bison and everything is so much leaner. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of nutritional aspects. Is there a, any type of restriction on the supply? No, do you know what? I think because of the health benefits linked to sort of bison and that it is a leaner red meat with people trying to focus on local and sustainable, sort of a great time mm. to be in that sort of space. This can be at pretty much every restaurant. Oh, <laughs> You know that, right? No, No, I'm telling you. you this, can, this can be at every restaurant, especially oh, okay. the ones who focus on a more of a local feel. This should be on their menu. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I'm going to have another bite. Oh, good. Your business knowledge is just fantastic. So when I'm focusing on growing my business, what sort of is your advice you'd give on what area to focus on on a business? So, so one thing I like about what you're doing is you're, you're speaking about your brand. So when you close your eyes and you look at what your brand or your passion is, actually draw that character up. And if that individual is... 20 to 60 years of age, both male and female, what do they love to do besides the backcountry? Yeah. There's your opportunity. There's opportunity for you to spread your wings further because I think Alberta's great. We're missing out on 90% of the population. Yeah. And you'll find that the, the needs of a customer in certain provinces will be different than what's in your home province. And able to adapt to that is gonna give you that hyper growth in your company. Don't be afraid to hire soon. Okay. I find that a lot of entrepreneurs are seeing it as an expense versus an investment. When you have staff working for you, it's an investment in your growth. Yeah. Right. So to grow from literally myself and my business partner to 19 people, one biggest mistake we made is we didn't hire early enough. Interesting. Okay. We waited and we waited and we waited like it's going to be a cost. It's going to be a cost. And then, oh my God, I'm wearing all these different hats and I'm doing so much. You start to burn out. Yeah. And so if you hire in advance, it will be a financial hit at the beginning, but you can, you can leverage yeah. or take advantage yeah. of those different opportunities then. And then you can focus on what you love to do while the other ones are doing what you don't like to do, but they can do it well. So I would hire early when you can. Interesting. Okay, that's amazing, amazing advice. How fast should a business expand? So I'm sort of in this position where there's a lot of different opportunities to expand, you know, for how much we're producing, for who we're selling to, but how much of a foundation should I have before I sort of look at that expanding? One of the biggest thing is, is integrity in a business. And as a supplier of, of product, staying true to that integrity, meaning when I say I can deliver a product, yeah. I'll deliver that product. And that's something in your business that you cannot take lightly is that brand of your integrity. Okay. And so as long as you can meet the demand, grow. Okay. Grow, grow, grow. Growth will get you through everything. If you look at all of the big, let's call it tech businesses yeah. out there, it's been the growth that's helped them. If you look at all the businesses that have slowed down and tried to right-size their business, they usually take three steps back and if they can't keep up, they're yeah. done. So your integrity as a supplier is as important as your integrity to your consumers.
So if you, as long as you can supply that product to your retailers, to your wholesalers, yeah. go for it. Because that's sort of one of the you know, things and I think that comes from a little bit obviously of a fear-paced position as a yeah. new business of looking at it and being like, you know, how much of the ledge do you want to jump off of on yeah. certain things? So. We've, we've interviewed so many entrepreneurs that are early in their journey. And those that are early in their journey, some will say, take it slow and stay at your pace so you don't burn out. Yeah. But I've had many who said, learn how to build the, the airplane as you're jumping <laughs> yeah. off the cliff. Yeah. Right. And so I, I get scared when I hear that analogy, like build the airplane as you're, as you're yeah. off the cliff. But in some cases, that gives you no choice but to build. So you seem like a resilient individual who can actually, who faces the challenges in front of you versus hides from them. So if that's the type of person you are, let it grow, let it grow. Okay? And you'll know when to put your foot on the gas a bit. Yeah. Because okay? then you're going to say, this is not, it doesn't feel right. And so slow it down a bit, but be always ready to have that gas pedal going at any time, as long as you can deliver on that integrity. So who are you trying to sell product to? Who's that target client? Really anyone who's an outdoor enthusiast or is interested in learning about some indigenous culture through food, because I really think that food is one of those ways that we really learn about each other. So my mission is to not just only appeal to the backcountry enthusiasts, but also to any individuals who are just interested in trying something new. So in my business, I've narrowed down to a certain group of individuals, certain demographic. Yes. And that took a big risk. That's saying, here's everybody I can sell to service, yeah. but I only wanna deal with this small group of people. You've done the same thing. You've, you have the ability to sell to everybody and everything you wanna do out there, but you hit a certain group. Why yeah. that group? Why not just sell to everybody and try to make as much money as possible? Um, because my passion is really being able to provide products to individuals that can't necessarily find something on the market right now. So where the sort of tailoring to dietary restrictions came about is my mom is celiac. And okay. so it was really sort of just one of those natural progressions of narrowing down that scope of, you know, having a gluten-free bannock recipe or a paleo bison stew. It was a way to also set myself apart in a market that was already quite saturated with the backcountry food of okay, there's not these products that are being made in this industry, and it's something that I know I can fill. Who would you say is your, your buyer? Is it male, female, younger, older? Like, give me that, that, that setup of who that customer is. I have two different sort of streams of business. I sell bulk to the ecotourism, and then I also sell individual meals. So the individual meals tend to be individuals who are a little bit more health focused and a little bit more of someone who's going to Mech and buying you know, a backcountry meal and more of that demographic. So one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs learn that you've learned very early in your journey is alliances or centers of influence. Yes. And you've aligned yourself with industries that are going to use your product. That is very challenging for many business owners. In fact, I don't know too many I'll call them young entrepreneurs or young in their journey at least, where they go, I better align myself with individuals or companies. How do you stay committed to the brand when there's money on the other side that you're possibly giving up? That's a hard question. And it's one that I've struggled with a couple of times yeah, when been asked. And I mean, the big thing is, I think when we start diluting the brand 
even if there's money in the long run, it's not setting you up for success because it's weakening your core company and that's sort of what's made me successful so far. Mm -hmm. So even though there might be short profits to gain from venturing out in the long run, is it gonna help me build a really strong company? No, and that's sort of what I... Where did you learn that? Because I've talked to many entrepreneurs, <laughs> some who are 30 years in the business, and they still don't know that message. Where did you learn that from? Actually, my fantastic education at MRU, where I am studying business, but also too, I grew up watching my mom in her business. And then I've also been fortunate to be influenced by strong-willed individuals around me who've always sort of been in the entrepreneurial field and just sort of witnessed their either successes or downfalls in branching out. I think what stands you out is that you are you're able to articulate your brand, you're able to stick to that, and that commitment, that discipline that you have, a lot of your competition won't even have that. They will veer off the path because they need to make the financials work. And it happens, it happens in my industry, it happens in every industry. And if you look at any brand that's been around for the long term, they stay true to who they are. Now that, that's taken a lot of work from a lot of entrepreneurs over years. You've been able to capture that in a, in a short period of time. Right now, you have a lot of your clients, customers in your home province, which is normal for every business to start it, starting your own backyard. But your business can expand globally friggin' quick. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying jump to start looking at what's happening in Europe, but there's provinces that have 10 times more the population that would love your product. How do you tap into those markets? Actually, two things. I'm quite fortunate that I have quite a lot of network connections up in Northern BC, where yeah. I have worked in the past actually for Outfitters. Um, and then through these various awards, I've been able to meet some really exceptional individuals, you know, through the EO network, mm -hmm. who are out East, who are, you know, so interested in the product. So really taking not advantage, but really using those established connections that I have, personal and then through the various awards, is really key for me. You said don't, not advantage. No, take advantage yeah. of it. Take advantage <laughs> yeah. of it. This is what I think, as entrepreneurs, we're sometimes scared to take advantage of the opportunity in front of us. Yeah. Seize the moment, absolutely. A lot of your peers in the entrepreneur community have no clue how their financials work, what their margins are, how to grow their margins, especially when we're in a situation where supply chain or products are very hard to get. Mm -hmm. um, walk me through how you keep track of your margins, how you keep track of your bottom line, and how do you make sure that your, your bottom line is growing? I come about it from a little bit of a business background of I'm looking at my spreadsheets and I keep very careful cost analysis on all of the different products and certain products, if it's just too expensive to make it right now, it's just not going to be offered because the company will lose money. The price will be too high for a consumer to be interested in it. So really, for me, a key thing is being able to be adaptable. Mm. And that's where I have, you know, the fortunate position of being a small company where I can sort of pivot and adapt, where, you know, a larger company has a set product. They have to sell that sort of set yeah. of products where for me, you know, if a certain product's just not feasible, it's just, I'm not going to offer it. Yeah. No entrepreneur does this by themselves. So without naming names specifically, let's talk about the roles. What roles of individuals have supported you through your journey so far? So I've had some fantastic individuals support me for just as a general advisors 
on sort of how to really narrow down my value proposition when I was growing as a business, how I should set up my books for bookkeeping was a huge one, yeah. how to keep track of my regulations and you know files and the back end of the business as well as to you know social media which is not a strong suit of mine okay i sort of have learned through different experiences that it never hurts to ask so i always just go around and i just ask and if someone says no can't help then that's totally fine but i just ask everyone around of if i don't know i'm like how do you you know how would you do this yeah and uh and then i've been able to collect some amazing individuals with some really collective wisdom that's yeah. fantastic Aaron your knowledge your passion you're, you're driven thank you so much for coming on the Carmali Exchange thank you so much for having me on what a great interview first of all one thing that everybody needs to know stay true to your brand that integrity of who you are as a brand must stay focused we get so distracted by making more money or finding other ways to create uh, revenue you sometimes lose who you are, your identity as a business, as an individual. And of course, Aaron talks about staying and understanding your financials is very, very important. And finally, use your connections. You're going to meet a whole bunch of people. Sometimes we're scared to ask for help or ask for guidance or ask for support. Ask. I think that's a big one. If you don't ask, you don't get. That's what my father used to say to me. I think it's true because Aaron just proved it. Congratulations, Aaron. Congratulations to that company and see you at the next Kermali Exchange. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Kermali Exchange. And you can also follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali, where we can continue the business conversation.